everyone, and welcome back to the Hashira Half Hour. I am your host, Hannah, today, and I am no longer going through Tanjiro withdrawals. Unfortunately, the withdrawals did lead to me buying a plushie and a figure of him yesterday. But we that's another story for another day. I'm Hannah, and I'm always joined by Brian and Emily. What's up? We're sitting just close enough together to ensure we are more than just friends now. For those, <laughs> I'm just kidding. That came out so wrong. No. Well, this is going to just remain in the podcast at this point, but it's Brian. Um, it's been a long week. I'm really out of it and in it at the same time. So that's where we're starting. Just like Moichiro. <laughs> Look at that. Right down to the blue hair. Oh. <laughs> Hi, guys. It's Emily. So excited to be here again this week, and um, I'm coming into this podcast. This is my first watch of the episode we just did, but everybody else has seen it twice, so everything is coming at you live, coming at you fresh, so ready to just dive on in. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like we just have to throw it out there. I know we get information slightly wrong every once in a while because we usually only watch the episode once and then dive in, so if we do, please don't come for us. We're, we're going off of memory. Not good ones. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what an episode today, episode nine, we're getting so close to the end of Swords and Village already, which is bringing a tear to my eye, but we still got a lot to go through. And episode nine was titled Miss Hashira Tokito Moichiro. I had to say it with his surname first, but um, what a fantastic episode. We're just going to dive right in. We get in in the heat of battle with Moichiro and he's slinging some insults. Gen Z or anybody? <laughs> I mean, I'm the Gen Z of the room and I can't read or roast people like that. So honestly, props to him. Like I've got like, your your mom. That's pretty much all I got. And he's out here like, you literally are getting slow. It's not even that I'm underestimating you. It's just that I'm a little bit uh, more capable. And so props to him, man. I can't roast. Honestly, he killed it here. He's like, because nobody likes Gyoko. This is a Gyoko hate account. Yes. And if you are a Gyoko stan account, there's something wrong with you. I'm saying it. But like, <laughs> but he's like, he's getting so mad. He's like getting all heated every single time anything comes out of Muichiro's mouth. And Muichiro is just like stoic, stone faced. And then he like comes for like the ultimate offense. He's like, you're slowing down. You're too old. You're ugly and your face is ugly. And like, that's it. That is like a snapping point. So way to go. Never thought I'd be rooting for the, the Gen Z blue haired anime character. <laughs> Based on where we started. Based on where we started. But we've come full circle and he has lodged himself warmly in my heart. Aww. I feel like we should rewind to what we were saying about him in episode two. <laughs> and just be like, what did we say? Uh, pretty sure we hated on him. And now we're like, ah, Moichiro. This is a Moichiro stan account. Look at us. <laughs> but that, in my opinion, is some signs of some good writing. You know, you have a character that is really not likable. And all of a sudden, you know, they go through this arc in nine short episodes, eight short episodes, really. And now we're, we're Team Moichiro. I think that's something that Demon Slayer does so well. They've done it with Tengen. They did it with Ren Goku, too. So... Um, I just have to say, though, when he uh, pulled the not saying anything and he was like, I'm sorry, you told me to shut up. <laughs> was my favorite moment. So savage. Wonderful insults. 
I have to ask, do you have a favorite insult that he said? I liked when he told him that he was ugly because it's what I was thinking. Yeah. I, I forget exactly how he phrased it, but he's like, what did Yoko said something like, everything you're saying is so rude and so out of pocket. And he's like, the thing that's rude is your face. Like, <laughs> or when he said he was like, you're, you're slow, you're ugly. And I think Moishiro was like, well, I'm sorry, were you saying that out loud to yourself? Or something yes. like that? <laughs> so creative. That's literally what I had. I was like, ooh, that's a, that's a, that's a turnaround right there. He said uno reverse with those words, quite yes. literally. All hail King Moishiro of the insults. I don't think we've ever seen a Hashira battle quite like that, where it's just slinging those insults. And He's really trying to egg him on. He wants him to get angry. This is 100% him just being like, okay, fight me, like, essentially. So good for him. And then we get into probably one of, if not the most decisive upper rank battle, obviously. Yeah, most decisive upper rank battle that we've had because this was over in a flash. First of all, it was like a few minutes of just beautiful animation as per usual, the mist. Uh, the sound design of the mist is so cool and him moving around, but he pulls out, uh, what form was it? Uh, obscuring clouds. Oh, so cool. And that's where things start to really confuse Gyoko. Of course, Gyoko has shown his final form to which Moishiro said, that didn't surprise me. <laughs> Bro, literally man looked like he was like, came out of the... Uh... <laughs> the Little Mermaid. Literally it looked like half of Ariel. He did. He's like, I want to be where the people are. <laughs> want to eat some people? Want to eat them all? <laughs> Make them into a little nice piece of art. Anyways, but like literally he was like, look at my new form. I am great. I'm beautiful. I'm gorgeous. And we should have just stared at him. And he was like, all right, here we go. And all of a sudden now he's turning everything into a fish. And I thought it was really interesting as kind of the battle went on because Muishiro was like, who said you were the only one not taking this seriously, my dude? And then it should pop off. It did pop off. Lots of fish. That scene was um, in the extended cut of The Little Mermaid. <laughs> 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 no, that was like something out of like a Junji Ito story for it sure. Really was. Like the 10, that, he's like 10,000, a plague of fish for you. And he's taken on this additional form that is like, fish-like, snake-like, very eerie. And there's probably some kind of symbolism there with like a, he almost reminded me of like a Kappa kind of. I am not 100% familiar with all of the lore of the Kappa, but generally I think that they exist like under bridges and stuff like that. And it's supposed to like pull people and like drown them. So makes sense. Doesn't make it any less creepy. And clearly Moichiro can take it down pretty easily because he slashed all 10,000 fish in like record time. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, even Gyoko was surprised by that. Yeah, and I, I need to backtrack a little bit because I was getting to the end of the fight, but there's a couple moments after that fish attack and Muichiro makes the face, the menacing just like smile. And I forget what he said. Do you remember what he said right then? I was so taken aback by his face that I forgot to read the subtitles twice. <laughs> Same. But it is what it is. And we go from this moment of, the face to yet another quick little flashback backstory of his we have now officially confirmed that his brother did pass away in that incident with the demon but Amane and the twins have come to rescue them and 
we see, you know, that they're instantly getting to work on him because they know they can't even transport him anywhere because he's, like, about to die as well. And they're, you know, they're trying to save him, but they've confirmed that Yuichiro is gone. And then something that really got me was when Amane is trying to take their hands apart and Muichiro is kind of fighting it in in this state of near death, you know, and her face was just very like solemn and sad, but also like still very determined to save one of them. So just a really incredible moment, very all over the place. This episode had me feeling every single emotion possible, I think. So we're seeing really this beautiful story unfold from Muichiro. It's beautifully sad, but so important to know. And yeah, how did that make you feel? It's like brutal to see some of those final moments. Yeah, there's something again here about the twins, I think. The like that connection that it's like, how do you even possibly go on after losing somebody like that? That is like literally your other half, if mm-hmm. not just you replicated in some way. Yeah. And so like, and how long had he been there that it's like he's that close to death at that point? It's at least at least a few days, you'd think, maybe longer for the maggots to set in. And there were a lot on Yuichiro and he was like rotting, like he was discolored already. So it it had been a while. And so he's honestly, his muscles too, are probably just kind of locked into that hand-holding position if Mm -hmm. he hadn't moved at all in like days, weeks, who knows how long it had been. And, And I think you saw that reflected really like nicely in Lady Amane's face as she's like trying to, but she knows that not only does she need to be super delicate and tender because of like the atrophying muscles that's happening Mm -hmm. but also like the cruelty that just exists like in this scene that's in front of her anyway so hard watch it's a hard watch but i'm grateful that they did turn up and that you know they weren't put off by all of the insults and that they did have that habit of continuously coming back to the hut and Mm -hmm. so that they did make it in the nick of time yeah honestly watching that happen was really tough especially as both of them had the maggots on them at that point because Muichiro's injuries were still open and fresh. And so, you know, it's, it kind of felt like their love or for each other was kind of deteriorating from those maggots itself. And luckily Muichiro was able to be saved, but it is really sad just to watch like your brother like dead there and you're trying to figure out what comes next for yourself. Like, I don't know if I'd be able to do anything in that situation. I would probably be holding on as well because... He really was the leader out of the two of them. Regardless if he beat the demon or not, he doesn't have, as from what we know, the actual, <laughs> I guess, just like executive function, if you will, to keep going. So really a very interesting point that they kind of gave us and uh, glad that he's still here. Yeah, and it was really good to just see Lady Amane and the twins like doing something. We're hearing their voice actors like... I feel like they've kind of been in the background a lot. And so to see them, you know, come in and save the day and and have that heart for them was really beautiful. And also, you know, to be in the situation that they're in where they're in charge, you know, her husband is the leader of the Demon Slayer Corps and they have given their lives essentially to the cause because they're like, this is what they do. This is all that they do, which is why that she was persistent with coming back and coming back. It's just... It's good to see her kind of doing her thing. Obviously, her husband can't make the journey and that sort of thing. I'm sure he would have been there if he could have. I'm sure he wanted to be. But it's good to see. It's kind of like Emily mentioned in the last episode. Just she's continually doing it. And she's able to handle, you know, taking care of him enough to get him to, you know, somewhere with some medical attention. So it was really 
really beautifully done. But now we can kind of talk about the final part of this battle because what a spectacular moment. Something I really, really want to call out for this moment as I have seen, unfortunately, quite a bit of people complain about this fight scene on the internet already, which is really, really odd. People will hate on anything. And if you're listening into this and you think it was bad, let me explain to you. <laughs> this fight, Demon Slayer often, or like UFO Table often will extend fights from the manga, you know, the fight with Tanjo earlier with the uh, Sun Halo Dragon Head Dance, that was extended. We got like a whole extra 30 seconds. A lot of battles have done that, but this one really wasn't. And that's that's intentional um, because in this moment, we are seeing Muichiro level up and he is, it's not even a competition. It is a one-sided fight. Gyoko has no chance and you can feel that. You know, like the triumphant music, the way Mimicho is acting, he's about to take him down. And I think adding to this scene would have taken away some of that level of understanding of how this fight was supposed to go. It's supposed to be in direct contrast with the last arc where we had Tengen who was flashy, he was loud, he was flamboyant. So we've got flashing lights, we got explosions. We're close to death on both sides and just going at it. Mimicho is quiet. He's calm and calculated. Calculated, yeah. And this fight is not supposed to be the spectacle of Entertainment District. And it's supposed to also show how much stronger Moichiro is really compared to Tengen. And because he's supposed to be a chosen one. We just went through all of that in the last episode. So I really thought that I'm glad UFO Table did not extend it because I think that's the way that it's supposed to be. And we got still a spectacular fight scene with the mist and him just kind of fading in and out and Gyoko being like, what the heck? And then he beheaded him. It's done. Gyoko's still hurling insults. When Moichiro says he's had enough, cuts him up into multiple little pieces and he's gone and tells him to go to hell. Wow, spectacular. I mean, there's a certain type of hell we hope that Gyoko is facing at the moment. What if now, I mean, Let's just put it this way. What if he becomes a piece of art? Would that be satisfaction? Or what if they misproportionally draw him and he has to be a cognizant of that fact in hell? I think that's the truest hell mm. for an artist of that. But nonetheless, watching the entire fight play out, right, it is a direct like comparison to Gyoko not being powerful enough. And, you know, we question... How did we get there, right? Like, how did Gyoko get there? If he really didn't seem as powerful as Daki and Gyotaro, but he was more powerful. It's just he was facing such a stronger opponent. And I think that was really kind of set apart. And, you know, most people, I believe, have started to put this together. But there has to be something associated with those red marks on their face, huh? Something going on there, <laughs> for sure. And we see them dissipate in this moment, too. So it's not it's not a permanent visual state. Anyway, yeah, the, the end of this fight was like really satisfactory. Um, and I, I especially love the moment where he like swooshed away the rest of the dust with his sword. It was so yes. cool. So, so nonchalant though about it, like very low key. But then of course we know that like when the mark has manifested in the past um, and when they go into like that kind of overdrive mode, there's a cost that comes with it physically um, when it does eventually recede. So We'll get to that in a second. But something that's interesting about Gyoko compared to almost every other demon is that we do not get a backstory. We have no context as of now. You know, I think I've said this before with Enmu, but I think there there has to be balance. Mm -hmm. Not every single demon 
should be like this troubled past person. Some of them just are bad people, mm-hmm. I think. And I think I think it's very intentional whenever these demons don't have sad backstories. Yeah, that's fair. And I don't know which would be better. I don't know that I necessarily have a preference because if there had been a backstory and we just saw this was a bad person through and through mm-hmm. and they just naturally translated into this, like, I think I would have been okay with that too. Yeah. But that's not what it was. And that's also okay with me. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting which ones they pick and choose to mm-hmm. change. They have similar personalities. Like Emu and Gyoko had that same like whiny, like, nah. <laughs> like I don't know how to explain it. But. I think... No, I think you're right. Like, it's very similar to all the demons who, like, were pure evil. And I think that's kind of the demonstration is that there there are, unfortunately, times where there is pure evil in the world and there is no other explanation of mm-hmm. someone wronged them at one point and now it's vengeance. It's just true horror. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important for there to be people like that in the story. Yeah. I yeah. think that, like I said, it's balance. It's if every single demon we were just, like, crying over after they die... Like, that's really good for most of them. But when right. we have these, like, little breathers where it's like, okay, that demon was just bad. Bye. Right. Like, I like those moments because we've spent a lot of story developing this arc, too. So on on the characters that were, were behind, you know, that we want to see win. So I think there comes a point in time where it's like, all right, this is a good story. This is a good arc to have a demon that maybe, you know what? Bye. Right. <laughs> like, we don't need to spend any more time with you. Bye bye. It's an interesting take. I, yeah. I I think that's really, really just good storytelling, mm-hmm. honestly. And I know some people will disagree. So he's beheaded. Also, he's the first, I mean, okay, we've only experienced like three upper moons now, four or eight, you know, um, but we've, we fought upper six, we fought upper five, and we're fighting upper four. And so far, Upper Five is the only one that actually dies when we behead him. So that was helpful, too, because when I watched this the first time, I had some friends with me who haven't read the manga, and they were like, he's not dead. Come on! And he was. Thank you. Thank you for having at least one of them so far that can do that. I also want to mention, obviously, like, I I, I think it's obvious Muichiro is stronger than Tengen. Um, and the whole squad. I mean, they were all fighting one demon at the time, but they were split into two and you had to behead them at the same time. And there is definitely something to be said. Uh, I think there's some kind of lore somewhere that says that if Gyutaro was alone, he would have been like upper four, just with his strength, because he was stronger than a lot. Well, Muzan said it in the middle of the um, upper moon meeting. He said, had Gyutaro fought alone, he would have won. Yeah. And that's because Daki was holding him back unfortunately. And there is some truth to that statement. I know Muzan does lie a lot and Daki is very strong in her own right. And she did take out a lot of Hashiras by herself. Um, I think Yutaro was still a stronger demon than Gyoko was alone. So that's something, you know, to be said, but um, we have defeated Gyoko and the poison and all of the energy and adrenaline has caught Mumichiro. He collapses in a very comedic way <laughs> and something i really enjoyed was kanamori is like tokito dono oh no and then he's like Hagamuska-san, help and he's just still polishing away and then he's like now he's mad at him he's like you wouldn't even stop when i was about to be murdered bad blood between the two swordsmiths now honestly i feel like Haganazuka does not play well with others, regardless of who the others are. I don't think it matters. (laughs) 
but at least he's not being mean right now either. So very focused, handsome and focused, just the way I like him. <laughs> Cuts to Tom's face. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, I mean, at this point, right? I don't know if Haganazuka really ever had friends in the Swordsmith Village. I mean, they talked about how he goes off on benders all the time. So at this point, is are, am I surprised? No, I'm not surprised by this at all. But <laughs> I think it's very telling as to Haganazuka's character because at this point, right, Tanjiro's lost three swords. He's putting his all into this one. Hopefully yeah. it's the last one. Will Tanjiro throw it out the window again? We got to find out. Well, it's also mentioned that this is a very intense polishing art that people have died from in the past. So there's also that aspect of it. He, he, he probably is in a situation where it's like, mm, I might die if I stop. So <laughs> either way, I'm going to die. I'm just going to keep doing this. Do something you love while you die, right? Yeah, exactly. But he's still polishing and he's still going. That beautiful, beautiful man. We might see him later. We'll see. Um, and then Kotetsu shows up. He's alive, we think. Might be a ghost. But he is alive and he explains that he had something in his haori. I don't know if he's wearing a haori, but uh, it protected him from the slash so that his polar. Oh my gosh, what's the word? Solar plexus. Solar plexus, thank you. Um, did not get pierced. And, you know, he just needs to get help with his arm. And it is Rengoku's hilt. Tanjiro had entrusted it to him. Um, when Hagnazuka took the sword away to be polished because he wants it on his new sword, which of course makes me very emotional because Tanjiro's continuing to, you know, really honor Rengoku and, and wants to fight with the hilt of his sword. So we get that sweet moment. And then Emily, um, just such a beautiful, very quick moment of callback to Rengoku talking to Muichiro. He has this memory because of, Kotetsu telling Kanamori about the hilt and we get this special little moment with friend Goku saying let's do our best as Hashira. I cheered up for sure. Oh yeah. I am grateful that any chance they get they will throw my boy in here but also how dare they. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. But it just goes to show, and we have said this many, many times, that like his death is the catalyst for so many more things because it keeps coming back up in all of these moments, like how important and treasured this character was. Maybe not the leader of the Hashira, but definitely like an exemplary model of everything that they are supposed to be. And every single one of them knows that. Mm -hmm. So like even Muichiro, who is like the kind of snotty Gen Z member of the crew like even he tears up at this memory of Rengoku upon like seeing this hilt and how wonderful that the hilt is able to continue to protect people even when it's not attached to a sword it's like Rengoku is sending something there to like help protect them and it's another little kid just like his little brother <laughs> right about that same age my heart Ooh. yeah honestly seeing Rengoku personal update I um I've never cried during the Mujin train. And that wasn't until two weeks ago when I was having somewhat of an existential crisis in which I realized I was turning 25 soon. And so I was like, wow, I'm really after it right now. I'm spiraling. And then one of my friends was like, but we're going to live life like Rengoku. And human life is so fragile and short. 
and that's what makes it so beautiful. And I literally rewatched that and I was bawling my eyes out. I was like, <laughs> so this definitely put me in a different state. And I'm like, God damn it, Rengoku, still doing it to me. Uh, even even if I'm late to the party, I'm still doing it to me. Kokoro Moyase, set your hard place. I think that saying is still so powerful, and I don't think we're done hearing it either. Nope. Um, but you know just how powerful of a character it is when he can show up for literally five seconds and we're all in tears. But he really is a catalyst for the show. His death meant so much to so many of the characters, and that his will is being carried on so many ways. But I think I, I called this out when we were watching it. I think that's genuinely also Momichiro's first time just crying over losing him. Because he he hasn't really been able to have those emotions and he's getting this memory back of him, but he's gone. And it's like kind of all hitting him at once as well as he lays there like choking on his <laughs> phone. Like it's just, oh, it's so beautifully done too. Just so powerful. And then we stay with the emotions as we transition now into Muichiro kind of having this moment with his family his dad is there his mom is there we finally see the color of her eyes is like the twins and then yuichiro says you did great and he smiles seems like all of our human characters so far have really needed a moment like this or whether their families or like these illusions of their families are welcoming them to the next life or are pushing them back towards where they need to be, which is what's going on in this case. And what we've seen with Tanjiro many, many times now, it's like, you did really well, but you have more that needs to be done and mm -hmm. people that still need you. So go ahead and go back. Whereas like with Rengoku for a moment, like we got the shot with his mother, letting him know that he had also done very well, but that it was time for him to come join her. So either way, a source of comfort, but, but very bittersweet. One thing I want to call to before we walk away from Uichiro and remember the other fight that's happening in the Swordsmith Village. Um, one thing I do want to say is that if we look back at season one and when Giyu beheaded Rui, I, I do see a little bit of a similarity there where I think Giyu is very cold and to the point. I think Muichiro maybe was having a little bit of fun and maybe got caught up in the moment a little bit. But after he released um, kind of his inner demon, if you will, it was a very similar beheading to what Gyu did because Gyu walked right at Rui, slashed his sword once, and it was over. And that was very similar because he had the mist, and yes, he used that as a diversion, but eventually he looked him dead in the eye, one swipe, and that head was gone. So maybe he learned something there too. Just an interesting comparison to talk about but also to transition to us to the other fight. How many times have we seen two demons working together on the same team? We've seen it multiple times now. We've seen it with uh, Susumaru and the eyeball demon. Mm. We've seen it with, uh, I believe we would have to assume, Enmu and uh, Akaza. Now we have Gyoko and Hantengu and Daki and Gyotaro. What's mm. up with all these duels? That is interesting because Muzan does not like people partnering up very much or like at least not groups, maybe, because yeah. he doesn't want, I imagine, an uprising. Yeah. And it's also interesting that it's all members of the 12 Kizuki because Rui was like teamed up with a bunch of people too uh -huh. that he's allowing. And there's something to be said about them being, you know, like 
very, very loyal to him, but also those are your strongest demons that you're letting right. team up together. Very interesting. Um, also, interesting that Gyoko is upper five and Ruby was lower five. I was just thinking about that when you were saying like there were similarities and how like Giyu took out Rui and how Muichiro took out Gyoko and they were both ranked five, just lower and upper. Interesting, interesting stuff. But it's been a wonderful time with Muichiro. We've gotten lots of time with him. He's been kind of the Hashiro of the season as we don't have much time left in this season, but it is time to move back into our battle with upper four and we are right into it because as soon as we get there Tanjiro is being thrown into the air <laughs> literally I my Tanjiro withdrawals are over but my poor boy is getting wrecked <laughs> we see him just being thrown around and he's he gets hit with the sonic blast because fun fact so Hakuten this new form can do all of the different attacks from the former emotion demons and now Tandro can't hear he's his eardrums have been blown out he's on the ground what are what are we doing they do not need to keep doing my boy like that like i listen we're just barely recovering from his kit kat fingers last season <laughs> no no what not the kit kat fingers we are barely recovering and then they're gonna do that to his foot Oh, I'm sick of it. <laughs> you stop that. You st- <laughs> yeah, I don't stop know. breaking bones, Tanjiro. <laughs> Yuko table, sound designers. <laughs> I've got a, I've got a, got a bone <laughs> no! to pick. No! Uh-huh. A strongly worded letter is coming your no, way. You gotta say it. You gotta say it. I've got a bone to pick with you. <laughs> oh, man. Listen, okay, I, I get it. Every MC has to go through these traumatic injuries, but like, do they have to put us through it too? <laughs> like, really? But I think, you know, you kind of have to go through every, you got to take your licks, I think, as some would say. So at this point, right, he's doing his best. He got his foot crushed by the wind tunnel again. Wind tunnel! That's an Inuyasha one. There you go. For those older folks out there, um, older anime watchers. But uh, yeah. I mean, Tandra is struggling, per usual. I mean, <coughs> I mean, he's leveling up every every season, but he's also facing higher ranking demons. You know, yeah. and this yeah. is upper four. This is only one below Akaza. Yeah. So to say that he's ready to take on upper four is to say that he's almost ready to take on Akaza. And is he really there yet? Probably not. No. He's, he's getting there. You but. know, yeah, he is getting there, but he still has a little ways to go. Um, and I think that's important to think about. But also, why do we have to make his foot, like, explode? Like, why? And I'll have you know that other characters have gone through some traumatic injuries in these last few episodes, but the only one that gets the special sound design is always Tanjiro. <laughs> it <laughs> really is! It's true, though! And I think we've no- we notice it more now that we saw, like, the end of <laughs> Entertainment District in the Orpheum Theater with that Surround sound. sound. <laughs> because the whole audience, like, we knew it was coming, and it was like, ah! So now we, like, are more hyper-aware of it, Triggered. I think. But is he, like, the only one getting broken bones in these battles? Is that what, is that what it is? 
like Genya looks fine. Like Genya literally, I feel like is walking out of this without a scratch on him. Like, are you kidding me? Like he pushed a, one of the wood dragon's jaws in half. Like he was like Kratos from God of War. And Nezuko, I mean, it's Nezuko. She's, she's regenerating. Fine. She's fine. Yeah. But Tandro is literally just getting battered again. Yeah. But he's got the adrenaline pumping, so he's still able to, you know, he's he's running, he's dodging attacks still, um, even on a broken foot at this point. And, but it's not looking good because he, he doesn't have time. Since this demon has all the attacks, he's just getting hit one by one. And now Nezuko's been grabbed by the arm and she can't get out. And Genya has been like wrapped around and he can't get out. And that's after, like you said, like he he was holding back one of those dragons and kind of like broke its jaw, I think, just by his brute strength. So go Genya. We stand Genya in this house. Um, but Tandro's dodging still, but he's like, he can't take any breath. So he can't, you know, I think he said, I can't heal, probably, you know, do the recovery breathing or anything like that. But he's using his battle smarts and he's figured out that it seems these dragons can only go uh, 66 Shaku. Shaku from wherever Zohakuten is. So he gets out of range, but it can extend. Are you looking up Shaku? I, it said it in the manga, but I can't remember what Shaku measurement is. One Shaku is 30.3 <laughs> centimeters. That's very helpful. <laughs> so 66. So... 188 so he's like a meter that doesn't make s- wait hold on no i i, I definitely think he's bigger than that well. yeah i don't know my measurements very well oh a kilometer okay that oh, makes more okay. sense sorry kilometer. we're american we don't we don't do these <laughs> measurements we're like a mile <laughs> half a mile sure yeah i'm about four blocks away from you <laughs> man that's a Big snake tree. <laughs> but yeah, so now that he's 66 Shaku away, um, now he's able to you know get his footing and think. Or so we think, right? And then all of a sudden, he, we have eight dragons coming out of each other and he gets swallowed up. He said, gobble, gobble. I did think that this was going to be a Hercules moment there for a minute where he's like in the mouth of the Hydra and it's like, oh, but he's going to surprise us and cut through the neck and like, it's no. not what I got. It's not what I got. <laughs> yeah. So we get this scene. He gets swallowed. Shout out to them making Nezuko look absolutely petrified by this situation. And Genya. Genya's mm-hmm. shocked. You know, at this point, we've already established it. Tanjiro's name has gotten around within the core. You know, like people know who he is. So Genya and Genya's already seen and kind of been able to decide that Tanjiro's stronger than him, you know? Mm-hmm. And in this moment, you know, Nezuko essentially thinks that she's lost her brother and Genya thinks that Tanjiro has been crushed. And we see this beautiful scene of the moon with the wood dragon kind of like, ah! and Tanjiro is being crushed and he can't get out. He like, his sword is like here. We're hearing more cracking I don't think any more bones have been broken, though, based off of what happened right after this. All hope seems to be lost. It's the main character, though. Is he gonna die? I don't think so. Someone is coming to save the day. And we love. Hold on. First, I want to, again, I'm going to backtrack just a second. Season one. 
Both of my favorite characters are getting moonshots, right? Zenitsu got his with the six-fold thunderclap and flash. And now Mitsuri's rolling up, does a backflip, looking like Sailor motherfucking Moon. <laughs> Listen, this woman cannot be appreciated enough, okay? She then twirls her way through everyone and says, let me come up and stop these dragons. And she rescues Tanjiro and she's like, sorry, I'm late. I'm here though. And then she sets him down and it is so cute. Oh, I just love her so much. Also, she looks like Mikasa when she's just like going all around on these wood dragons. Like her fight shots give me AOT vibes so much. Yeah. It is so cool to get to see any of the Hashira fight for the first time. But I think what stuck with me the most from her entrance, of course, we love her bubbly personality and her adorable character design, but we get to really see the sword in action this time because what happened (coughs) at the beginning of the season was very fast. And we're like, we need to see some more. We want to see some more of the love breathing and the sword. And I don't think that I was expecting it to have the quality of like a ribbon more than a sword, even though it can still cut like a blade. It was like the the movement. And I think the sound of it was what surprised me the most, like how delicate it sounded. Yeah. But you don't want to come in contact with that thing. No, no, absolutely not. And she's using it for in multiple ways. She's using it to slash. She's using it to wrap around and like pull. And so she... First of all, super strong mm-hmm. to be able to wrap it around and pull one of these giant wood dragons. And like, as she pushes it, it takes out two others. She's causing some destruction already, which was really something that Genya, Nezuko, and Tantra were not really able to do. They were kind of being completely washed by this guy. Um, so kind of a reminder of still the difference between Tanjiro and Ahashira and... She's glowing, like literally glowing. I'm pretty sure they decided to make her look like an angel to save the day. And she gets Tanjiro out of there. She does come in with a moonshot, which I think almost every Slayer has actually gotten one of those shots, which is really, really cool. Just kind of an artistic way that they've brought back into the story. I think Muichiro is probably like the only one who hasn't gotten it. (laughs) Um, And she rescues Tanjiro and she's of course talking his ear off but he cannot hear her because his eardrums were broken and he's my boy straight up deaf right now (laughs) woof but I really liked this moment because I saw a parallel um posted on Twitter and it was very similar to a moment that we saw in Mugen Train I'm gonna bring up Rengoku again because they were very much some similarities here. And fun fact, if you're listening in and you didn't know, Mitsuri actually trained with Rengoku. And he helped her essentially create love breathing. Uh, love breathing is a offshoot of flame breathing. Um, he trained her in flame breathing, but it didn't really work super well for her. As we've seen different breathing forms that you're trained in not be the greatest for your body. And so love breathing was born. It is her form that she has created as a Hashira. And... Um, essentially what it is, is it's a quote from Rengoku saying like, we never let the young ones get nipped. We will put our life on the line. And of course we saw Rengoku, you know, die for Tanjiro and Osuke and Itsu and Nezuko. And we're seeing Mitsuri like kind of say, all right, Tanjiro, get out of here. Like <laughs> you're done. I'm going to do this. And Tanjiro's like, this is ever four. Like, be careful. Like, and of course, he's probably thinking of Rengoku as well, because this is only one below Akaza. 
but she's going at it and she's protecting Tantro just like Rengoku did. How do, how do you like that? No, <laughs> not the tears. I'm crying now too, <laughs> but I love her so much. She's so sweet. She just does everything for everyone else and wants everyone else to be happy. Yes. Like she literally is like in the embodiment of true, just like pretty in pink, friendly, bubbly. Mm-hmm. Sweet angel. Oh, Absolutely. My face. I love her. <laughs> I love her so much. Very fitting that love breathing would form as like a spinoff of flame breathing. I think that's so cool that there's like flame probably incites a little bit more of like the passion. Love can go a couple of different ways. And so it's just really interesting, but it makes a lot of sense, the Mm -hmm. two of them. So very selfless. And also um, the only Hashira that didn't immediately want to kill Tanjiro and Nezuko during that Hashira meeting in season one. Yes. So at like an innate instinct to not only like both of them, but to protect them. And we're going to get to see that now, which is so cool. Yeah. Well, that's what she says to Tanjiro that he can't hear, of course, but yeah. she says, I'm going to go save Genya and, and Nezuko, you know, she amazing instincts. First of all, that she could figure out that he had been swallowed in that one. I, I'm assuming maybe she just saw it happen from afar. Um, but just some really spectacular moments with her. Like, I feel like I can't say it enough. Just the way she's jumping around and flipping and doing some splits. And it's so cool to see her flexible abilities come to life because we as manga readers know that she, like, that's her fighting style. She's very flexible. Mm-hmm. That's how she's able to use this whip-like sword. And it reminds me of, like, a rhythmic gym- gymnast. Yes. With uh, the ribbons of just, like, bending and, and twisting. And it's, like, you got pointed toes. And it's just so beautiful to watch. It's just, like, eye candy. Absolutely. And and also, just what a wonderful character. Yeah, we've loved her since day one. She's one of the only ones that we've loved since day one. Because she never was, like, oh, we should kill him. Even in, during the Hashira training, she was, like, why would you kill him? Like, let's stop. And, um... She she runs in to uh, save Nezuko and Genya after saving Tanjiro, and then the dreaded credits roll, and we gotta wait another week. Any other thoughts about the episode as a whole, about Mitsuri or anything? I mean, I have always had thoughts about <laughs> Mitsuri, but I'm so glad that we're gonna see the next episode, which we'll talk about in a second, so. Cool, well, let's go ahead and transition into our favorite moments. Um, I will go first. I loved everything about this episode, but as we know, I was going through some huge Tanjiro withdrawal, so I'm happy to see him back in this way. Mm, I mean, he's kind of going through it right now, but I, side note about me, I told him about this on our drive back from LA. I really like it when my favorite characters go through the ringer. It's kind of a problem. So as hard as it is for me to watch Tanjiro get wham whacked and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> whatever and broke into pieces um i'm just glad we have him back and kind of enjoying watching him go through the ringer Aww. i okay i'll i'll transition out of that and just say uh mitsuri's entrance not to steal brian's i'm sure but i just love the way they animated it and how beautiful she looks her soundtrack is chef's kiss and i cannot wait for next episode because we're going to get a lot of it. I mean, Hannah already said it. My favorite moment was every moment Mitsuri was on screen. Like, that is literally all that can be said for me besides watching her just 
literally what feels like tumble her way through this fight and really just like make such a grand entrance and do it so like what feels like gracefully it does give me very much so shinobu vibes is like the two women who are in the demon slayer core they have such like elegance while having such like fierce and ferociousness inside them like if you think about it like shinobu was never like giving malintent or like maliciousness when she was fighting with her season one demons but now you see Missouri in the same light who's like not like coming after them out of rage but coming after them with like a pure heart it's just so sweet i love her i have to of course shout out my boy I love any time I get to see Rengoku because it's very, very little time that we get despite the enormous impact that he has on the entire story. So any screen time at all, even though it's like literally five and a half seconds here, I will take it. But because it is so short, I will give a secondary answer as well. And I loved Muichiro coming in and out of the mist during yeah. his fight scene. It was so cool. The mist animation is just stunning. So you know shout out again to yuko table and the animators because i also wasn't sure and hannah even called out the sound of the mist earlier which was really cool too because it's got that like water-like quality but it almost sounded like voices too which was so yeah. cool it kind of reminds me of like the shows in disneyland like, like parts of the caribbean yeah, <laughs> water <laughs> yeah like not like it, it's not the machine part it's just like you just the sound of mist mm -hmm. just kind of being around and it's very like magical feeling that's that's what it made me think of was like being in disneyland <laughs> it was really cool yeah. really really cool great episode again absolutely every aspect of it was spectacular i we sound like broken records though you know we we love everything that yuko table gives us we'll eat it up so very very good I said I said uh, the next time I do a Taisho Secret, I was going to say it in Japanese, but I wasn't prepared to do it again this week. So, And now it's time for Taisho Secret. Bryce Pappenbrook, who is the English dub of Inosuke, has stated that he actually does not, he doesn't read the manga. He doesn't even watch the anime before he goes into record so that when he reads the lines recording it's his actual like first time experiencing what's going on so that it's completely raw emotion so i thought that was really interesting i think there's two different ways that it seems that voice actors tend to do things we've got that side which i think is very valid and then we've got like hanai san who's a super fan <laughs> and has read the manga and almost spoiled it in live interviews so Ooh. and i think both are really like interesting takes on coming into the studio you either know it so well that you know, you're like a fan of the work, you're going to have a lot of emotions about that, or you don't know it so that when you say it, it's like, you could flip the page and your character could die, you know? So I think that's really interesting. And hats off to Bryce for all of his incredible work in the dub. I know we don't really talk about it much, but um, he had some really great things to say about the character and can't wait to see what he does for Inosuke in the future. And with that, that's it for this week. We've only got a few weeks left, y'all, unless we got a surprise coming our way, which might happen. Who knows? Could be a 12th episode. Could be more. Could, might, maybe not. And it's just a mistake. But we might be getting a 12th episode. Stay tuned for that. We're finding things out as you all are. So we'll try and talk about it once we know. But thank you so much for listening in. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube like drop a comment on the youtube video and we might answer it in next week's episode also we will have a q a option on spotify if you'd like to ask us a question there we might answer it on next week's episode 
Uh, we're on Instagram and TikTok as Hashira Half Hour and Twitter as Hashira Half. Please follow us, share with your friends, and don't forget to download the episode if you listen on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen to podcasts. And with that, a very Rengoku. Umai? Umai. Umai. Happy National Donut Day. <laughs> Cut. <laughs> Cut. Cut. <laughs> don't let Hannah do that ever again. <laughs>